it is? Okay. All right. Welcome to the Recovering, Recovering Your Creativity special focus meeting. My name is Rachel. I'm a compulsive overeater and one of your speakers for this meeting. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, God grant me the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. Um, to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. And the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this 55-minute session is as follows. A short reading, then we will each share for 18 minutes, followed by open sharing. Again, the topic for this special focus session is recovering your creativity, writers, artists, and actors in OA. So our reading is from the (coughs) OA um, daily book for today from June 23rd. The quote at the top is, a small daily task, if it be really daily, will beat the labors of a spasmodic Hercules. And that's from Anthony Trollope. What's the secret of digging a garden, writing a novel, taking a four-step inventory, or abstaining from compulsive overeating? OA gave me the answer. Attend to the business at hand each day, one day at a time. I used to think that the only way to tackle major projects was in great bursts of concentrated effort. Like a child with a short attention span, I would tire myself out with the intensity of the sporadic effort and then go on to something else. Today, I still tend to see a difficult task in terms of the total time and effort it will take, but there is one lesson I have learned well. The only time I have to abstain and practice the program of recovery is today. For today, it is this day's abstinence that guarantees me continued sanity and freedom and nothing else. Okay, so I'm going to go first. If you can start the timing for the 18 minutes, thank you so much. Okay, so again, my name is Rachel. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hey, Rachel. Um, and I'm excited to talk today about creativity and being an artist. Um, I'm a writer as well as a lot of other things. Um, but I actually came across this reading for today, um, and I thought it just it spoke so much to me, um, both in terms of my creative life and the idea of tackling a novel and how to write a project that long, and also in terms of my recovery and looking at being a 100-pounder and having to lose more than 100 pounds um, before I even came into the program at my top weight. Um, and so I, I really want to draw a lot of parallels um, between my, my sort of struggles to gain recovery or a sense of stability in my creative life and recovery in OA. Um, so I thought I would do that. I was going to talk a, a bit about some of the principles behind the steps because I found that those really um, speak to me today on both of those topics, but I'll also just start with a little um, basic qualification. So um, my top weight is 339 pounds. That was actually before I came into program. Um, I miraculously was able to lose about maybe 40-something pounds on my own um, up and down the couple of years before, and I came into the program um, about 275. I wasn't weighing at the time, um, but I sort of gathered that later. Um, I had two years of abstinence. I got down to 185 pounds, which is my lowest weight as an adult. Um, I then relapsed and got back up to like 225 and came back, got down to 200, 
relapse is part of my story. And the reason why it's important to me um, in terms of my creative life, because I kind of look at relapse as also like rejection in terms of my writing life and having to put yourself out there and deal with rejection and come back. And that's just part of the process. And for me, relapse has also been part of the process, part of my process. Um, but what's more important is the coming back. And that is what I'm doing today. Um, I've been back in program for four years. I have four years of abstinence. And I'm very, very grateful to be here. Um, so in thinking about the principles, when I first came into the program, I really didn't get any of this stuff. I didn't get this business of the principles, like behind the steps. I certainly didn't get the steps. Didn't get the spiritual thing. I mean, I really got nothing. I, I didn't get the fact, that, um, like, you know, the character defects. I was like, what is that all about? I really was just looking for a diet, and that's sort of the part <coughs> I, I took in those first two years. And I think that's probably why I relapsed and went out. But um, for those of you who don't know, for the newcomer, there is a principle that's attached to each of the steps. And um, they're listed some, somewhere. Actually, in our, in our program, you'll see when it talk about like the marathon meetings. And so I was looking over those and thinking about talking. And you know, step one, the principle behind it is honesty. And so for me, that is gigantic. That's gigantic, both in terms, again, of my creative work um, and being a writer and in terms of my program. Um, I think honesty and my inability to be honest with myself or anyone else about really anything, um, big and little, is one of my major character defects. And so that was so humbling and bringing me into the program and dealing with that, you know, a step one, like having to be honest. Um, and when I think about my creative life, I think the first, the first sense of honesty coming into it was about really admitting that this is what I want to do, admitting that it's more than just a hobby, um, admitting that it's not something that I wanted to do on the side, that I actually um, really had to have enough belief in myself and, uh, you know, sort of that sense of honesty of really just owning, like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I think, again, um, thinking about myself at my top weight, I lived for many years, um, college age and after, denying that I wanted to be smaller, you know, denying that I wanted to be healthier. And so, again, for me, there was that parallel of the denial, like sort of doing my writing on the side and like but trying to just have like a regular nine-to-five job, just like I would have occasionally diet and then, you know, really just try to like be comfortable in my body. Now, I do think it's important that we all be comfortable in our bodies, you know, no, no matter where we're at. I mean, and that's definitely something that I deal with, you know, to this day. But I think my first step um, in going after the career that I wanted was really being honest that like this is what I want and having and owning that. Um, and, and I think that when I think about my disease, um, it's also there's a lot of that procrastination in terms of my, my dreams with, with my work. And part of it was what I've read about in the big book, like the lowering of dreams, like the lowering of your expectations when you can't reach something instead of coming up with a new plan. For me, I just sort of was like, well, okay, I don't really want to do that, you know, and I just kept bringing it further, further down that bar that I was trying to set for myself. So that first step of honesty for me was like, you know what, um, this is what I want and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to try to go for it. So that goes into step two. The principle behind step two is hope. And um, again, I think 
paralleling it to me being a hundred pounder and um, also wanting this career, it's that you have to believe that it's possible. And I know that when I was over 300 pounds, it was very hard for me to believe that it was possible for me to, to lose that amount of weight. Just like when I'm standing there in a bookstore, um, you know, as a you know, person in my early 20s, dreaming about writing a book one day and having it published, um, it also felt in many ways like this unattainable dream. Um, but I do believe I had to go through that, that path. I had to allow myself to cultivate hope on both of those fronts. And then it just became about, you know, what's the action plan? How do I get from A to B? Um, a lot of that is, for me, was about step three principle, which is faith. Um, this was something I definitely struggled with and do still to this day as far as um, the timetable of when we get rewards, you know, mm -hmm. whether it be weight loss or whether it be a publication of something, you know, I feel like I've put in the work. I want the result right away, you know, and yet um, part of the work that I've done in the program in terms of my recovery from compulsive eating has really been about turning it over and about having that faith and really working on my spiritual practice. And in doing that, in letting go of the results and just um, thinking about that action plan, thinking about what I need to do on a daily basis to recover from this disease, it's very similar to um, you know what I need to do in terms of the steps, um, the, the discipline, which I'm, I'm going to get to that um, principle later, um, and that sort of daily routine of life and what I'm doing. I can't do any of it alone. You know, I can't work the program alone. Um, I have to have a higher power. I have to be a part of the OA program, whether that means, you know, dealing with sponsees, dealing with other OA members, um, you know, going to meetings, showing up and telling my story. Um, all that is a part of that faith. And, of course, keeping that connection with a higher power um, through the setbacks and the successes, you know, through those those failures and those challenges. For me, you know, th during relapse, having to... to you know, I went through a lot of stages of my higher power of rejection and just feeling like I was abandoned and all that um, when I was in relapse and feeling such utter, um, you know, despair, um, had some weight gain. But really it was the craziness coming back and the, and the demoralization. Like that was the hardest part in relapse. Um, and in many ways I think that's actually been harder for me than any rejection in the career realm. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is, um, but I... I don't know if it's if it's more a sense of like a deeper failing in, in myself, but that's probably something I need to you know continue to look at and work on. But I know that my my relationship with my higher power is absolutely crucial, you know, to my sanity and my ability to kind of handle both aspects of my life. Um, so step four, the principle is courage, and um, you know I definitely feel like I needed that courage both to come into OA for the first time and address, you know, who I was, what I needed, where I was at, um, definitely coming back after a relapse, you know, and having a lot of that ego wounding and a lot of the pride, having to admit, you know, I'm back at step one, I've regained some weight, I need help. Um, I think, you know, what I've learned in this program is that you can have fear and still do something, whereas I think before OA, I kind of felt like, well, if I'm afraid, like, that's a sign I should, you know, be worried about that thing, and maybe I should stay away, and now it's like, no, that's a feeling, and that's being human, and um, that probably means it's something that would really give me a, a great reward, you know, if I'm afraid, if I'm afraid of doing the work, you know, I'm afraid of 
doing the, the work in the program, and I was afraid of that fourth step inventory and looking at um, my past and what I had done, and I was afraid of sharing that with another person and, you know, really sort of facing that in the same way as I was afraid of, you know, with a creative project, like sort of putting all that time and effort into um, this manuscript and then having to give it to the world, you know, and, and you could argue that's in a different way, like a fourth step for me, you know, the vulnerability of um, putting putting work out there and then knowing it's going to be judged, um, you know, much more so than by your sponsor or whoever's listening um, to your fourth step and really saying, you know, whether or not like this is any good and whether or not someone wants to publish this and sort of make it public like that. Um, and so it took a lot of courage, you know, it took a, a lot of courage to do that. Um, I would say it also took courage, you know, to join the YMCA at 339 pounds when I could barely fit between the arms of the treadmill, you know, and getting on there at those low speeds and just, you know, walking and having the, um, you know, the, the humility of owning where I was at and what I needed and that I could only do, you know, this speed um, and I couldn't do an incline and I couldn't do what, you know, that lady over there in the corner was doing um, or, you know, swimming some laps and, you know, not even being able to do a lap, like doing a length, like, you know, anyone that swims, a, a lap is up and back. You know, that's a lap. So a length is when you only go one way and you rest. So I couldn't even do a lap, you know, it was like, okay, let me make it to the other side, breathe, you know, make it back. I mean, that, you know, that's where I was at. And um, it took a lot of courage to, to do that. It took a lot of courage, you know, to, to go into those locker rooms and, and in front of, like, all children. Like, you know, I remember being a child in the locker room and, and being worried about kids teasing me and that kind of thing in my youth. And I felt the same way, you know, in my late 20s, being this large woman, you know, dressing in front of these 8-year-olds and they're looking at me. And, you know, I was just like, it's okay. Like, I've just got to be okay with who I am. And there was really a lot of acceptance that came with that. Um, so step five is integrity, um, and I think you know for me that that continues to be something that I'm I'm working a lot on today of just being being who I am and being what I say I'm going to be. So um, first of all, that notion of like owning, like I'm a writer, like that's who I am. Um, that's and what what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm a person who writes, you know, and not just to have a label, an idea of yourself, but actually like the work, just like I'm a member of OA, I'm in OA. That doesn't mean I'm sitting at home, right, eating chips. It means I'm coming to meetings. It means I'm using the tools. It means I'm reaching out to newcomers. I'm doing service. You know, that's what it means to be a member. And so if I'm a writer, like I'm writing on a daily basis, I'm putting my work out there. I'm part of that world. You know, if I want to say I, I want to be a part of it, I'm doing that on a daily basis. Um, with the program stuff, I remember, you know, being really large and just being like, well, I can't do all these things until I'm smaller. You know, it was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go out and, you know, go to an event when I know I'm going to fit in the seats or, you know, I'll exercise outside when I know I can, like, look okay in these shorts or something like that. And then it became like, well, what, what would life look like if I did those things now? If I just was like, well, what does a healthy person do? A healthy person probably moves, you know, several times a week, maybe every day, but at least several times a week. So I need to do that. And like a healthy person makes healthy food for themselves. So I need to do that. And just getting in that, that sense of the process of if I was that, you know, what would I do? And so that's what integrity was for me. And that's something that I started to practice when it felt really uncomfortable and I felt like a fraud. 
you know, I really did on, on all those fronts. It was like, oh, I'm, you know, working a, a regular job and then I'm like writing on the side. And I didn't want to own that. I didn't want people to know because if I say, hey, I'm writing a novel and then I don't finish or then it, nobody wants to publish it, you know, what am I going to look like then? Just like always those friends I would never tell when I was dieting because I don't later want to be, what happened to that diet? Or, you know, I lost this weight because then it's like, oh, but now you're regaining. And it was always back to the honesty thing about not wanting to admit and show myself to people and be and be vulnerable and today um, I'm, I'm definitely doing that differently and, and trying to practice that integrity um, so step six is willingness and you know obviously I've said some of the things I was willing to do as far as you know the, the humility um, which is the step seven is humility of you know getting up early to work out you know that was something I never thought I would ever be able to do you know set the alarm and I remember getting up when it was still dark and going to the swimming pool and swimming laps really early um, and watching the sun come up over the Rose Bowl of swimming outside and being like, this is, this is my higher power, you know, this is my higher power helping me do these things I could have never done. Um, you know, getting up early to, to write and to focus on a project. When I didn't have enough time in my regular day, I have children, um, I have another job um, where I teach, and it was just like, well, I, I, I don't know how I can juggle everything. And it was like, oh, you can get up earlier. I never thought I'd be able to do that, and it felt like it was punitive. Whereas what ended up happening, and for those of you looking for time for like prayer and meditation, I also realized, hey, if you wake up in your house before anyone else is up, nobody's bothering you, and there's nothing else that you're supposed to do. Whereas what I'm writing in the middle of the day, it's like I could be playing catch with my son, I could be returning emails, shouldn't I call my mom? You know, but at 5 a.m., nobody's looking for Rachel, so I can sit down and completely just like put myself in into my work, you know, do some prayer and meditation, which is what I do today, and then set those sides, that time aside for my writing, and be totally uninterrupted, and not feel guilty that I belong somewhere else, and so that has been a huge piece, that willingness of what lengths I'm willing to go to. Um, and I think the other thing with humility that I want to say is, when I first came into the program and I heard humility, I thought that meant, like, just knocking yourself down, you know, you got to be humble, that somehow, like, means you're, like, on your, on your knees, like, on the ground. And what I've learned in this program is that means being right-sized. And so when there are times when I do something well, I need to own that. You know, if I have a talent, um, I need to own that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in saying, hey, I can do this well. And how can I help? And how that becomes of service, whether it's as a teacher where it's like, I've got some things that I can share, experience, strength, and hope I can share with my students as well. Or whether it's, you know, volunteering to, to do some writing for something in OA, you know, or whether it's just getting my own work out there. Um, just realizing that I can handle rejection without quitting because it's like that just must be part of the process. Just like my relapses, you know, the humility of that is that was part of my journey. And not only do I have to just admit that, I coming back in here, it help, if it helps anybody else, then it's worth it for me to admit and to come back instead of just sitting at my house in shame and in procrastination and in isolation, you know, to come back and just admit um, that, hey, that this happened to me and this is what I'm doing now. And so that's that's part of that. Um, Self-discipline is step eight. And I think I talked about that already too, which with the work schedule and just like with my food and having a food plan and just like with an exercise and now, you know, there's the action plan. I mean, it's tied to that piece of integrity of really like, if you want to do this thing, you do the things that make that thing possible. So it's like you look at that end result. You want to, I want to be under 200 pounds, which is the goal of mine. It's like, well, I need to eat in the way that will reflect that. 
Um, I want to publish a novel. Okay, I need to write that novel, and then what do I? You know, I need to revise that novel, and I need to get an agent. I need to do these steps, and it's all part of that same thing. It's doing the steps in this program as far as holding on to my my recovery. Um, so nine is love for others. Ten is perseverance. Um, Eleven spiritual awareness, which we talked about a little bit. Um, but I'll say one more thing about the perseverance. You know, I really feel like. I had to turn that notion of rejection, just like with relapse and rejection in, in my work, putting my work out there and getting rejected and having to do it again. I had to look at that as strengthening me and as being part of God's plan for me, that it wasn't going to be easy, but that didn't mean that it was wrong, you know, to have those failures and to be like, well, how can I see the, the other side of this? You know, when you're, again, when you're looking at having to lose all that weight or for me sitting down wanting to write that first novel and looking at hundreds of pages ahead of me, it does happen one page at a time, just like recovery does happen one day at a time, you know, one meal at a time. And the reality is that's all I need to focus on. You know, that's it. My challenge today is not to write a whole novel. It's to sit down and write today. And my challenge in the program is not to worry about you know, 10,000 meals, but what am I eating today? You know, what are my three meals today? So I'm so grateful to be here and to talk about this. I'm so excited to hear from Carla, and I thank you guys so much for letting me share. Okay. Thank you. First of all, um, I am Carla. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater and bulimic. And I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I just feel really blessed to be a part of this program and um, grateful that I've kept coming back for years. Uh, I am, um, I've been in the program in July. It will be soon, you know, early to mid-July. It'll be um, 11 years that I've been, that I've kept coming back. Uh, I'm abstinent for five about five plus years and free from um, bulimia for six free from from throwing up and over exercising for six plus years so definitely relapse is a part of my story and and I find it to be important just to say that because um, you know so much of my recovery has been about letting go of shame and learning to love myself and learning that if I you know, even if I don't see the results as I think they should, I should be seeing them, that I, as long as I continue to do my best every day and listen for my higher power's will for me, and, you know, particularly around getting abstinent, working the steps, showing up, using the tools, that, um, that it comes together. And it comes together in my higher power's time, not mine. And, um, and the same certainly has gone for my creativity. Uh, I was someone who was able to have some like commercial success. I'm an actress, I'm also a writer, um, w while being in my disease. And the difference, uh, yeah, I wanna talk today about the difference between being creative, working creatively before when I was, you know, in the food and in the crazy insanity and and now and what just the difference in my showing up. Um, so I was, you know, definitely a compulsive eater first from a very young age and um, used it, it, it really kind of exploded 
when my uh, my father was arrested um, and my uh, my parents finally you know were split up and that was around middle school and I around that same time however I found I'd always my family's really creative we always sang it's funny I'm just getting to know a lot of my father's side of the family now since moving to LA like within the last year and all of them are musical my grandfather played 15 instruments you know mm -hmm. so it's like there's this there's this creative urge that is, is just in my bones and in our bones and my mother too she sings so we grew up like singing on road trips and singing around the kitchen and making up plays and you know I was always a producer and like <laughs> you know making my aunts and uncles pay five dollars to come in and <laughs> see you know <laughs> so you know that's that's where I came from creatively and at the same time that my food was really becoming out of control um, I also found theater and that was it was the first time that I felt like oh I belong here I, f I feel like these this wackiness inside of me is somehow has an outlet now and it's not scary here and I can just be open and forget about all that other stuff that's going on um, so you know, it's like I found these two things that soothed me, but in a way they were they intertwined as well. And I remember being in college for theater and feeling like I was using the exercises we were doing almost as therapy. Because I think by that point I was so wanting to be to, to like understand this hole inside of me that I would like dump like it's like as soon as someone said uh, you know we would do these exercises and it was just like ah uh, you know I kind of would just say all of these things that were probably not like did, needed to be in a therapist's office and not there you know and and on state like just kind of working through these things but I didn't have the tools to navigate or understand that. Um, and so I went away to Amsterdam. I did an exchange program there. It was the first time that I really lived alone because I had always lived in um, uh, with roommates, even in college. And I had my own apartment there. And everyone was going and like smoking pot and everything. And I was just like, oh my God, whole milk yogurt. This is the most amazing thing I've ever found. Holy cow, like muesli by the pounds, you know? Like, oh, you know? And we would go out and like have dinner and be doing these incredible creative things and doing street theater and like just, oh, I was, my mind was creatively blown and I was just so excited by everything I was learning and the people I was meeting and these new languages and a new culture and and then I would go home at night and just eat and eat and eat and eat and not sleep and get up the next day and like I I was like what is this thing you know because I I knew that I, there was something going on and um, by this point I'd also you know, I'd gained weight in middle school, high school, and and I'd lost weight when I for my first year in college because I was in New York City and suddenly walking everywhere because I had no money, so I just walked and didn't take the subway. And I was in dance class, and you know, so and I was finally and I had you know, it was I was just eating with people, so I dropped a lot of weight and then I gained a lot of weight, and so it was like I already knew that there was this 
strange thing that I, a strange relationship with food that my roommates didn't seem to have. But seeing this behavior when I was finally alone, but for the first time, um, and and seeing that other people were not doing the same thing was it was just eye opening for me. On the same trip, there was a woman who of a fellow student who was in AA. And she had, a, this was, you know, before, it was like cell phones were around, but it wasn't, it was before everyone had one, you know, and so she got this pay-to-go cell phone, which was like, okay, so she could call her sponsor every day because she was in AA. And I was fascinated by it. And I'd heard about AA because my dad had been sort of in and out for a long time, and he used to say, you know, I... I'm so grateful for, for my father's ups and downs. He he died partially <coughs> from his disease and other things, um, but about eight years ago. But um, I feel like he planted these little seeds in me, which made it possible for me to come in and stay in the program at a young age, you know, relatively young age. I came in when I was 20, going on 21, and I have and I've stayed with it, you know, a day at a time. And I, and I feel like a lot of that is because, you know, my dad would say things like, I've had a spiritual awakening. And I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? Or like, you know, thy will be done. That's all I have to say, Carl. And you're like just random and then be psycho. But, you know, just, but there was a big book, you know, like I have at home his third edition big book. And, you know, and it's like the, those things. Thank you. Um, so I feel like he laid that groundwork in the same way that, you know, he laid the groundwork of, like, I remember sitting next to him at the piano and writing songs together, and now I write songs today, you know, so it's like, just, there's this black, there's, there's, it, things aren't black and white, and I feel like so much of my, what I've been finding and embracing and loving about program, about life, about, you know, learning what my higher power is and how it manifests in my life is that things are not black and white, and it's just, being where I am, where my feet are today, and trusting the process, um, and trusting that all of it will inform whatever I'm supposed to be doing in this, you know, this creative journey that I that I'm on. Thankfully, with all of you. So anyway, I went back, and you know, she 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 was going to AA, and a lot of us talked about food. We would sit in a, the kitchen at our little <laughs> uh, where we were working and um, and all, a lot of the women would just talk about body and food and you know and sh and one day she said something I don't know if she said it privately to me or whenever she said it it's stuff but she said you know there's a program like AA for people who have issues with food and I just knew when she said that, that that's where I needed to go and um, it took me another year or year and a half to come in I got to a real bottom um, where I was, I, I remember I was babysitting someone and it was the first time that I made myself throw up. And I had always said to myself, well, I would never do that because I don't want to ruin my teeth. Like I would just, no, that's not, <laughs> not makes sense, you know? And, and then I did. And and I just thought, okay, this is um, this is an issue. So I so I came into the rooms, and one of the first meetings that I went to, 
wasn't the first, but probably the, you know, maybe the third. It was on a Monday morning on the Upper West Side, and it was a creativity-focused meeting. And, and that was my home group for years. It was every Monday morning at 9.30. And um, I remember going in and someone reading from, it was like their sponsor had given them an assignment, and maybe it was writing their recovery in a fairy tale form or something like that, but they created this little book and they passed it around. And, you know, just to, to hold this thing in my hand and hear people talking about the same things that I had been going through and understanding that there is the possibility of a link between this, the creative way that I think and feel and live my life and being well. Um, and then I also heard someone talk about the difference between, for her, she, she was also a professional artist, and she said, there's my creative work, and then there's my creativity. And that was so important for me to hear, because I always, like I said, it was like there are these things that, that they intertwine. And certainly, there's that honesty and authenticity that I work on and still work on every day, that it's like really being able to be vulnerable and be myself show up as myself, um, and that I think is so important and such a part of my recovery. And at the same time, understanding that there are pl there's a, like a time and a place for certain things and certain, um, you know, that I can bring things to my sponsor and to the group and leave it here or to outside help, you know, and, and leave it there and then go and show up as a professional and be in in the, in the world and in a, in a different way and like in a grounded way because I know that I have this safe space to come back to and talk about the things that I need to talk about but I can also use you know writing as a tool so I can use that that creative voice I can write a song that is coming from the work that I do in here so it comes together but there's also this like proper boundaries for me which is really important and it's also important for me protecting myself um, I've been in situations where the, the work environment's toxic, and I think artists, we're very sensitive people. I think people are sensitive, period. But, you know, our, we're, we're just in touch with it. You know, our hearts are open. That's kind of what we, how our role in the world, I believe. And, um, and so I've been in situations where, you know, I was taking home a lot of, the energy around and I didn't realize it or if I'm working on a character thank you taking on that character and like why am I snapping at everyone or why am I like suddenly cursing people out you know or why am I feeling really inappropriately <laughs> sexual you know like whatever it is and then and just realizing oh okay okay got it this is this other person that I'm living with for however many hours a day and I can now <coughs> use tools to help me say, okay, here's a boundary. Like, I've left this. Maybe I need to go take a walk for an hour. Or maybe I need to go, you know, listen to some music. Or, like, go watch a funny YouTube video. Or, like, just ground in the earth. Or, like, whatever it is. Drive with the windows open. Or, like, go pet a dog. So that I can get back into my own body. And that, because... Um, what I would use for a while was food. You know, I'd go home, I'd have these feelings, certainly rejection after, you know, auditions or writing or putting myself out there, learning how to text people and say, hey, I'm going in and I'm going to text you when I get out. And, you know, so that there are these, there are these buffers around 
protecting the art and protecting the artist. Um, and that's certainly something that I've learned in, in recovery. And I, I'm grateful for these rooms. Like today, you know, the, this is a, although it was a very creative project, <laughs> my wedding. Um, it was like this, he was a production. Um, and <laughs> it was beautiful and, and really creative. But the morning of my wedding, I was in a meeting. You know, and I've had like really big days, you know, where like really fun, exciting things are happening creatively, and I'm leading a meeting afterwards, or I'm going to do service and like move the chairs, or you know, and that stuff helps me to stay humble, helps me to stay grounded. You know, if a friend says, Hey, can you drive me to the airport and I can be, do that service, if even if there's like something happening that feels like oh you know not at the expense of because it's a balance for me also because sometimes I just want to do that to avoid um, but if I check in and I say yeah I can do this service so that I can have this moment with this person that's like just having a moment with a person and then I can also have have this other creative world and these other fun things um, it's it's important for me to have to find the balance and like as I was saying earlier, just that my higher power to me is a creative force. And, and it's like this dance that we're doing together through life of recovery and, um, and relationships and work and, you know, um, playing piano and not doing it very well and, but just doing it because it's fun and like just kind of enjoying and playing, um, and showing up. And I guess that uh, the difference between how I showed up before and how I show up now, it's like before it was about the outside in. It was what did these people think of me? Are they going to love the things that I've done? Can I get love? Can I, because that's really what I wanted was love, a feeling of love and self-love. Can I get love from the accolades that these people will give me or not give me? You know, can or even like in a sometimes almost in a masochistic way, you know, like I'm gonna put myself out there and see what comes back, and if they don't like it, you know, well, fuck you. <laughs> it's just that kind of like armor and this, you know. And instead, thank you, I get to show up today, and it's like I'm here to be of service, and I'm here to be a loving presence. And so just direct me. And I, you know, and also doing the work, um, the same thing, you know, it's like with the, the fourth step, I, you know, ca calling the sponsor, working through the steps, doing the tools, showing up every day, you know. Okay, here's the <coughs> script. I really want to go watch, like, play solitaire on the internet. Okay, I'm going to work on this for an hour. Okay, now I'm going to go play solitaire on the internet. You know, like, like just, you know, but, like, using the tools, the same tools that I've learned in here to help me with the discipline, which is, you know, one of our principles. And um, I guess the final thing I'll say is I had to do, um, I've had to do a couple scenes recently where I, thanks, um, I'll just wrap up where I have been in not a lot of clothes. And so, and I, 
Um, in the past, it's been about again, what do people? What are people going to think of me? What are you know? And I have put on weight in the past year or two because um, I wasn't getting my menstrual cycle and I want to have children, which is like I feel another creative project and process, however that will manifest. And believing that my higher power is big enough and loving enough that I get to be an example of a woman in a healthy body weight today and that I also get to be an artist. And if those two things are to coexist, then I get to trust that that's going to happen and let go of the results. And that's happening today. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then there's something else. So thank you so much. Okay, um, the meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Please focus your share on the topic and limit your sharing to three minutes to give others a chance to share. The session will end at 3 p.m. Hi, I'm an artist, and uh, I stopped, stopped painting and doing any kind of art for three years. I'm 70, I'll be 79 years old. I was a professional designer, a well-trained artist, and just stopped. Um, I lost a lot of my eyesight. Um, I'm going back to this again, because the void in myself is too much for me not to go back. However, I do this with a lot of trepidation, because I eat when I'm frustrated, and I eat when I feel failure. And I know as part of the artistic process and the creative process that not everything works, that it's a progression, that certain things have to be built on experimentation. And I can do this intellectually and, and hope that you know I continue to do the progress. But I'm not sure what I can do when that empty feeling comes and I just feel so frustrated that I want to eat. And that's kept me away from going back. I've made a decision to go back. That's no question about that. Uh, how I'm going to be able to go back my weight and the frustration levels. Um, I don't know. I just have to hope that I've been in program for a long time and I've had success and failures. But um, that's why I'm here. I'm here this weekend and I'm here today to hear what you've just told me. Thank you. Hey, I'm Katie, compulsive reader of Bulimic. Hi, Katie. <sighs> Thank you so much. It's, um, it, you both just uh, knocked it out of the park and just really, at least for me, just carried the message to the exact spots it needed to get to. Um, I'm an actor and a writer as well, and I, gosh, I was just so alone in my work for so long. And for me, my work is about relationship, and relationship means, for me, putting the other person 
first and taking care of them um, in a loving and acceptable way to myself with boundaries. But I was not able to do that because I would go to tape an audition and all I could think about was my body. What are they going to think about my weight? Am I too big to play this role? And I, that's not my job to decide that. <laughs> there are people who are paid very well to decide that. <laughs> and I was so in the outcome, but you know, I'm, I'm truly experiencing the miracles of this program in my work. This is my year of doing things that scare the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm here still, it's June, I'm good. You know, like it's mm-hmm. nearly July and I have not died <laughs> or binged or purged or, you know, like gone nuts. And I, I'll share a specific miracle this week because it, it's really struck me. I had pictures taken for the first time in over five years. In the film and television industry, that's kind of ridiculous. You couldn't possibly look the same as you did five years ago. Um, and I had not one single hateful or not loving thought in the three hours I was shooting. I had not one single hateful, not loving thought in the time that I had briefly looked at the photos before I sent them off to someone else who is skilled enough to decide what the best photo is for me. And I, like it ju- I, could, I, I tried to figure out how it works, and it doesn't matter. For me, it just works. And I'm really, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful to you for sharing your experience. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My name is Janice, and I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Hi Janice. Janice. Thank you um, for um, your shares. And um, it has given me some courage to continue. I've, I've people have told me for many years, you should write, you should write. From just speaking, you know, they say, oh, I really love what you have to say. I wish I could hear more. You should write. And so I started writing. I wrote, um, I wrote a play, and uh, based upon uh, an experience I had that was like uh, out of the park as far as. Um, uh, God's um, doing something for me that uh, was totally, totally uh, just, it was just unexpected. It was a gift. It was for my birthday, my my first year of abstinence, <laughs> and uh, my OA birthday. And anyhow, that's a whole other story. That story is another story. But I, I wrote it quickly. And after I wrote it, I thought, well, let me read it. And I thought, it's not good enough. It's, mm-hmm. you need to make it longer. It's, so then I made up stuff to make it longer at the beginning. And I kept messing with it and revising it and revising it to the point where now I really don't like it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but it was based upon truth and what actually happened to me. And asking this person and that person, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And I've screwed up. And so now I've just lost, totally lost all confidence in my ability. And I don't know what to do with it. I feel like saying, well, forget it. Maybe the whole point of writing it was just to share with people or in the group or whatever. And they would, people would line up after I shared the story and want to hug me. So there must be something going on with it that is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't have the confidence anymore. And I don't know, maybe someone, maybe somebody can say something to me after the meeting is over that would 
give me the courage, strength, and the hope that I need in order to get back in the saddle, so to speak. So, thank you. I'm a compulsive overeater. I spent 32 years working for the government, dreaming that I could do something a lot more creative. And the big dream that I would do something and, and that, that I loved and then make a lot of money doing it. And what I got to find out was some of the things that I had wanted to do, I, I wasn't that good at. Some of them weren't as much fun as I thought they were going to be. And um, some of them were just too much time commitment. I did write a book. My husband and I wrote a book. And mostly that was something we were led to do, nothing I ever dreamed of doing. But there were times, and we had a publisher, the book was published, and there were times during that process that it came from God, you know. And we would stop and say, ooh, this happened. Okay, let's just pray it's God's book. And that was okay. We wrote a good book, we liked the book, book, and it's, you know, it's out of our hands. What I had the most problem with is when I was young, I used to like to do a lot of art. When I took oil painting, I hated it because I, I can't get over that. I don't enjoy while, while I'm doing it because it's never good enough. I did something as simple as when I was in Yosemite, I took a scarf class and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, you know, everyone else is a cool. And she said, um, maybe tomorrow you'll like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had a friend frame it because it was for my husband, the little leaves, Mr. Nature. And, um, I had a friend frame it, and yesterday I liked it. I thought it looked really pretty. Other people thought it looked pretty, but getting that distance between what I've done, it's really hard to hang in with it, even if it's crap. And I love the analogy with the abstinence and the parallel. Like speakers I've heard who talked about deciding they were going to keep their abstinence, even if it was a crummy abstinence, they weren't going to keep starting over and the art to me is like the same thing the getting back on the horse thing and then like sticking with it even if it doesn't look like the picture they showed you in the beginning it's yours it's different from someone else's but it's hard for me as even all these years like 34 years of the program the last few years I've really realized oh, my biggest en enemy is that perfectionism that I didn't think I had like someone would say to me, well, you're a perfectionist. I am not. I do a lot of things really crappy. <laughs> and, uh, it's a big deal. And the, thank you, oh my God. I just want to cry because the biggest thing I felt in that process was this huge piece of vulnerability to where some personal stuff, you know, ended up on the internet as part of that process. They were excerpts from the book. You decide you could write this book, you put it out, you know, no big deal. Oh, now it's on the internet? And, uh, you know, it's a lot to go through, and it's always back to the same thing as the program principles, you know, turning it over to God. Is it God's deal? You know, somebody asked me recently, uh, this beautiful sponsee, how do you know when it's God's will? Oh, I hate to tell you this, but one of the things is when you decide to do something and it doesn't work, and you know it's not God's will. Now, that, that seems like kind of a negative approach, but it's a longer answer, but I think that was a timer, so I'll shut up. Hi, Aaron. Thank you both. Um, just from the moment you started speaking, uh, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I, uh, I'm a computer technician, uh, frustrated screenwriter, frustrated performer. Um, mm -hmm. oh, my, the course of my disease and the course of my isolation included slowly cutting away everything that I actually enjoyed out of life, including performing, including writing. It just 
fall by the wayside. And it was always it just, I remember I used to tell myself, I'm going to go right. I'm going to go right. What that meant was I was going to go sit in a restaurant or a buffet usually and think, oh, I can sit here and I can eat as much as I want. I can write until midnight here. And I never would. It was after this plate of this, after this piece of pizza, I just finally, the food always won out over my own creativity. Um, and I, I, honesty is the hardest thing. I, I, I've kind of discovered recently that I don't like saying I'm a writer, I don't like saying I'm a performer. Because when other people say that to me, I'm jealous of them, and I want to I support them as much as humanly possible. Like, yes, you chase your dreams, you, you, know, you put yourself out there, but when I hear myself say it, there's a voice in my head that goes, okay, but what are you really doing? I mean, you're an adult. Don't you have a real job? Don't you have a real way to contribute to the world? Not writing, not acting, but other stuff. It just goes there. Um, and another part of my story, a lot of my body issues, I remember when I was younger, uh, I started acting very young. I started like nine years old, and I went to, um, I got training, and I kept telling my mom I wanted to actually try to be a kid actor. That was my big thing. And I heard, you have to get headshots. I said, Mom, can I get headshots? Can I get headshots? And she kept saying, when you lose a few pounds, we can get a few headshots. That was like what I heard through junior high and high school. Until finally, nowadays, every time I think I want to go out for that audition, I find myself on a treadmill. You know, it's just, it's automatic. I start making up the, the exercise schedule. So um, I just wanted to thank you. Like, the, the most important thing I heard was, yeah, it's honesty. Like, I need to, to consider that idea of saying, I am a writer, this is what I want to do, and this is, that's, it's an issue of honesty. It's not an issue of judgment or what I think I, I am or I'm not doing. Um, the other thing I just wanted to share, I mean, recently I started, I took a, I'm enrolled in a creative writing class and we had to turn in my first assignment, and I turned in this thing that was like a memory from my childhood of something that had happened to me. And oh my God, the panic attack after putting that piece of paper in the bin and walking out and realizing he's going to read that. Yeah. He's going to read that and know exactly which character I am. And he's going to be, why is this guy sending me his therapy? Well, I don't know what he's doing. Um, it was just nerve-wracking to suddenly feel that vulnerable again. Because I used to be the person who, like, I would, I want to show my writing to everybody when I was in high school. And people would say, well, I write, but I don't really show it to anybody. I'm like, oh, it's good you're no good. I mean, literally, I just had that level of judgment. It was like, oh, if you're afraid to show it, it must not be anything. You have to have confidence in ego in order to do this. Mm -hmm. So it's just hard to suddenly realize that ego is not a part of it. It's honesty and it's putting yourself out there and it's being willing to be vulnerable. So thank you. Thanks. Okay, sorry. It is now time to close the session. I would like to thank those of you who gave service at this session and all of you for attending. After a moment of silence, please join hands and we will close with. The OA promise, I put my hand in yours.
No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back, it works, it works, it works, it Thank you.